Welcome everyone to Right On Radio. My name is Jeff. I'm joined by Tom Althaus. How are you today, Tom? Doing great, Jeff. Really, really excited after returning from Maui and uh, getting evidence we needed. So I'm excited to do the show with you. Uh, I'm excited to hear about it. So today's show is going to be a little bit different than the previous next pages with Tom and I. And it will be different in this way. Uh, I do not have a lot of news to share with you today uh, on purpose. <laughs> I have. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed, folks. <laughs> I prayed right before coming on. In fact, I extended the music this morning to give me a little bit more time to pray to settle down. And I prayed that the Lord will hold my tongue from telling you exactly what I feel. But I am going to give some commentary uh, on a couple things that are happening. And uh, and so we're going to do a couple news stories. Tom has a couple things uh, to discuss. Then I'm going to do a little bit of an interview with Tom because he's had a few major breakthroughs recently. And if, if you were new to the show and you don't know Tom's story, we'll give you a bit of an introduction to it. Uh, he is one of the, he is the author of a screenplay called The Immortals, which was a part of that screenplay was ripped off of him and it was turned into the movie and the series called The Matrix, which many of you are familiar with. In fact, many of you believe we are living in The Matrix and that's where we get to the section which is called The Next Page because The Matrix uh, script or Tom's script, The Immortals, seems to have been prophetic, and if you have been following right on radio, I'm in the midst of a series called Mass Deception, and when I spoke with Tom the other night on the phone, he went to the next page, and man, it fits in timely, almost perfectly, with what I'm doing in Mass Deception, because it's actually in his script. Very profound. You'll want to stay around to the end to do that. And uh, just speaking of this Mass Deception series that I'm doing, uh, thank you for all the good comments that I have been getting on it. Uh, some negative ones as well, but uh, I can tell you I'm over the target. And I don't say this as a, a woe is me sort of thing, but every time a new episode of the Mass Deception series comes out. I, you know, I'm listener supported. I have a patron account associated here on uh, on Podbean, and that has been a good part of my subsistence. But each time I release a episode in the Mass Deception series, I have cancellations on my Patreon. So I guess I'm getting under people's skin, and I believe it's on target because I do believe I am giving you truth and reality according to my understanding of the Bible. And just speaking of those who support me on Patreon, I've had this thought ever since I got back from the uh, reawakening tour, you know, the Clay Clark event in Nashville. I took detailed notes uh, from that particular event and I am going to share them because I name names and I don't like to do hit jobs on people. But for those who support me on Patreon, next week, either Wednesday or Friday, I am going to review all of my notes from that with you uh, in regard to each speaker that I saw and took notes on. And I'm going to do that, of course, following the fact that Clay Clark is on the program on Tuesday. So we have that to look forward to. So, Tom, without further ado, what you say about Ukraine? Oh, boy. I wish there was nothing to say. I wish there was peace. I wish there was um, no phony war. I wish we were um, allowing uh, people to play nice in the sandbox. But apparently wars now are all about Hollywood, Pentagon, staging things, fooling the public. It has become the norm to dupe the world population into believing whatever they want to spin and whatever the man behind the curtain wants to put for us. And so it's really our time to um, look at the facts and look at, look at the uh, things they put out and see just how ridiculous these uh, uh, rushed forward um, snow job videos and reports and so-called news, uh, how they're rendered. 
just looking at the seams and how they're sewn together and seeing uh, the falsity and the fraud. So give us a couple examples of the fraud that you've seen. Well, one of the things they just showed on BBC, of course, they keep feeding the meal. Um, one of the things they showed was a bazooka team, basically. One solitary bazooka team. And they're firing off like they're at a gun range, okay? And it's supposed to be under the heading of this huge battle at Baruch or something, this huge battle, uh, tense battle. And what you see is just these guys out there, and it sounds like if you ever went for Christmas trees on a crisp winter morning with your father uh, to pick out a Christmas tree and how still it sounds and how silent it is, that's what it sounds like. It is You can hear a pin drop except for their um, rounds being discharged. The gun is aimed at an angle, a trajectory that is uh, maybe uh, it would be a target meters away. Maybe that's just the wall they're shooting at. And uh, it's supposed to be as if they're in battle. All the costumes they're wearing or the military gear is clean, crisp. It's not what you would have in a battle sequence. If you're under siege or in a desperate battle, you wouldn't have stuff looks right off the costume rack. While the BBC is playing the footage, they have drums going dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. That's to get your heart rate up. That's to get your emotions involved as a viewer. It's supposed to make it look like they're good guys and that there's action going on and that there's um, urgency. Well, there's no urgency in the people speaking. There's no urgency on the gun team shooting. And there is no retorts, no other sounds. And in the segues they're playing now to promote the anniversary of this war or fraud, they have Zelensky posing with others. And I know the business. I know the shots. I know how you do it. They're in static frozen shots, live shots, and you're shooting up at them. It's called the hero shot. And each one is spaced perfectly. They're perfectly clean, made up everything. This is phony war. This is phony staging. And it's very badly done. It says that they don't respect the public's opinion. They don't think the public will figure it out. And they feel they have plenty in place that will shout down those that actually spell it out what's going on. It's complete wag the dog. Well, I agree with everything you're saying, but I but I do know that there is a real war going on. Uh, but what, what they're doing for the audience, and this is my opinion, is they don't want to show you what's really happening there because it will destroy the entire narrative. In my opinion, Russia has already won this thing and they're going to destroy the narrative. But I love the points that you made up about how they're just fixing the scenes because this is how propaganda works. And you'll notice when Biden was there, uh, you know, the air raid siren went off perfect timing as he walks out the door and walks to step on his mark where he had to stand for the perfect photo shoot and everything else. But, you know, even, I believe it was NBC that it was reported, they said, listen, we've been here for four days and we haven't heard a gunshot, we haven't heard a bomb go off, we haven't heard anything, and then when Biden walks out, they play the air raid siren. Come on, this is propaganda at its it best. It really is, Jeff, and that's the thing, that's the key. When Biden's there and it's all staged like that, the cabal has a purpose. The Pentagon with the cabal has a purpose. Ukraine is being enslaved. It's being used for a one-world agenda. Even the Rothschilds said that if they lost the control of Ukraine, they would lose their push for the one world order and also child trafficking. There's much more going on and there's much more desperate people uh, that are being treated badly because an actor is in charge of Ukraine put there by United States cabal. So it's like, that's what's going on. And Putin has fallen into a situation where he's going to be made out to be the bad guy completely. Meanwhile, Zelensky is um, suspending the rights of Christians in Ukraine. He, that isn't talked about when we give him billions of dollars of aid. Or millions of dollars. It's not talked about. But he, he banned the entire Christian church, uh, the Orthodox uh, church, and he arrested many of them. He shut down the media. It is a Nazi regime in Ukraine. And uh, thankfully, most of our audience is, is aware of this. But, you know, I did a show on it a year ago when this started called I'm Rooting for Putin because he really is. The good guy. He's been calling out the uh, elite pedophiles in the West. He's been calling out how they're destroying the families. He's crying out all this woke stuff that is going on. 
Uh, and listen, and he doesn't, he's not an innocent man, so don't hear anything I'm not saying. You don't get to be the president of Russia and come up through the KGB being innocent, okay? He's not innocent, but he publicly gave his life to the Lord in 2018, did a public baptism, and, you know, is supporting the family and the Christian church heavily in his country, which is quite the opposite of what's happening in the West right, right now. Right, Jeff. And also, if you could figure that he's done an amazing job, anybody who's been in, would be in his situation, they'd be subject to all kinds of, you know, temptations, offers, things like this. I mean, the things that go behind the scenes when you're considered successful is incredible. The offers you're made. He's turned down a lot of those offers, and we're living in a world that's it's different when you look at what's really going on and your eyes clear and you wake up and see what's really going on as we have, um, that's when the offers start coming. It, they don't make the offers to the people that are asleep. They make the offers to the people that are awake. If you have talents, especially if you've got um, uh, skill, property they want to employ and they're grooming you to be in position. Right now, we're in like a walking dead scenario, that world that is not what it seems. It is an oppressive push to the finish line for a one world society. And that's what we talked about in the screenplay. It's all through that and everything that's employed, including the use of religions and things like this and world leaders and religious leaders, they put everybody in place that they choose. So the whole narrative and the whole scenario is controlled by them. Everything's controlled by them. You don't get to be successful unless they have a say. Now, some slip through the cracks and get to the top. Putin was one of those that actually slipped through. He was chosen to lead because there was so much corruption in Russia. They threw their hands up, didn't know what to do, and they had him do it. Basically a clerk for the KGB, um, intel guy. And so they put him in charge. But he was known for somebody that got the job done properly and had a heart for the people. So that's why they, in the end they turned to him, just like will happen for us. They tell us that they'll turn to us if they run out of options. They turn back to the people that actually have a heart, that have weathered through everything and kept integrity. That's where is interesting twist to the story, is that those with integrity are the last people they go to when all the devious plots fail. They turn back to those to, to start rowing the boat. Those that had the skills that were silenced are then brought forward to rescue the whole team. It's, it's an amazing um, phenomenon. Well, through the narrative, Putin looks like he's the good guy, at least when you when you look at the intel that we see and stuff like that. But I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat for just a second, Tom, and suggest to you that, you know, perhaps because Putin was a member of the World Economic Forum Young Leaders, maybe he is just playing the role of this to show... You know, everything is upside down. Everything is inverted, out of order or out of chaos order. You know, the Masonic thing that's going on. And, you know, they do have, you know, these elites have a depopulation agenda. And perhaps nuclear war is one way to get it there. And uh, and I'll tell you, <laughs> I've been, I've been, I was praying the Lord will hold my tongue. And I'm just going to say this. Um, they're making it. So it looks like it's your fault, ladies and gentlemen. It's your fault. That's exactly correct, Jeff. That's exactly the policy. Any of us that have stood up to them, like look what happened to my family being bought off with the biggest awards in the world with this U.S. congressman who's also actually FBI lifelong. And he's also involved in Ukraine, disrupting Ukraine, this Brian Fitzpatrick. The thing is that what they do is they will make those of us that have a heart the bad guys. They will make sure that we're painted out to be the ones that did the harm, or they'll say we took our lives, which leads into the next story. We get this. So why don't you go to the next story, Tom? Next story, the billionaire worth $2 billion, Thomas H. Lee. How does somebody who has donated millions of dollars to arts, in, like the art centers in New York, and to Harvard financial aid for students to get them into an education at the highest level. How does somebody who is, quote, had put needs before his own, suddenly ending up dead, shot in the head in his office, that's convenient, that's a controlled environment. And he just found 
There's nothing said about Thomas H. Lee having any depression. There's nothing said about that I've read that he was um, thinking of anything apart from continuing what he's doing. In fact, he said something about having so much money that if you have so much money, you give it away. You give it to help others. There's so much about him. But all you have is the, like, it's like the tie on the doorknob. You have the person with a gun to the head. Very convenient. Now, why would they take out people right now? This is what I've been talking about. The whole cabal thing, it's like the dark night, the Joker in the dark night. When he leads his team into the bank, he has all these different Jokers with him, people with the clown masks. He starts taking, they take out each other one by one because that's what you do. You get rid of your accomplices as you get closer to your goal. So it should be very chilling to people that these people are starting to disappear, that have a heart, that have compassion, that are part of the cabal structure, that are part of the successful billionaires club. Now they're turning on their own and they're cutting away any that might have a heart. What they is cold-hearted beasts. The cabal wants cold-hearted people that put their feelings in the freezer because they can control them. They can count on them to be a certain motivation. They don't want anybody who might have suddenly a pang of uh, compassion to suddenly spill the beans and talk about what's going on. They want people who are driven by petty concerns and desires and lusts. That's what the cabal operates with mostly. That's why they're not that intelligent. Often brilliance, genius, brilliance comes with people who think outside themselves, that think about compassion and also think towards God. I think we're designed that way. So those that are brilliant and actual geniuses will think outside themselves. They'll think apart from themselves and view humanity around them as brothers and sisters often and often become philanthropists. That's my theory. And so right now they are, the billionaires club is getting rid of anybody who doesn't fit the bill. And that is cold hearted steel. Well, I'm just going to take a light hearted uh, look at it, Tom, and think that, you know, they, it's just been a while and they want to get set the record for the Clinton body count. It's been a while since they've added to their numbers. So <laughs> yeah, see, I was, uh, I shouldn't laugh. It's so sinister. Why are these people still on the face of the earth? I know a lot of people say that they aren't, but well, I worked. With I, I still don't do the whole cl the whole clone uh, thing. I still haven't bought into that one hundred percent. Same here, Jeff. But as far as the Clintons, I worked with a lady, Joni Stevens, who was directly with the Clintons. She worked directly with Hillary Clinton, and she's the one of the ones who was supposed to bring me down. In fact, I had people warning me she's never going to stop at the Williamsburg Inn and at the Rockefellers Group, David Rockefellers Group and Colonial Williamsburg. And so what you have is these people are tethered to a cabal network. So when we say the Clintons, we should be saying the Clintons along with the Bushes, along with a whole cabal, the Pentagon, FBI, CIA, you name it, the Hollywood film industry, the moguls, they're all – Spielberg, Spielberg, they're all one group, the Billionaires Club. And so Clintons are just one of the ones that are most on the forefront, and I've dealt directly with them. They are enemies of myself and my family, what's left of it. So that's, you know, they put their own hench person, Joni Stevens, on me. So there's a lot of players that aren't known we're going to deal with in the documentary team. A lot We're going to deal with a strata of players, informants, handlers, you know, people who are at the top, people who control police departments. And, um, yeah, and the whole structure, how it works in the cabal, that'll be something I think will be eye-opening. Just how many spiderwebs are attached or coming out of what we call the cabal, that they control every single aspect of our sphere, of our world, of our lives, including religion, technology, securities, you name it, entertainment, they own it all. And they made sure, like the art of war, that they had their controls and the people in place, they'll sneak them in there as a busboy as a water coffee grabber, as a gopher, you know, as a grunt. And they'll get in there and suddenly they'll be moved up because they're, they're, they'll call their strings and they'll call their people to have who they want in charge when it comes time for the movement. That's another thing that's in the screenplay. So, Tom, you just said something that I was unaware of. Uh, you're actually including some of these opposition forces and that in your the documentary that is being made? Yes, absolutely right. So, so give us a description of, of this documentary uh, that is happening right now, because I, you've never actually done that on this program before. Tell me what the documentary is really documenting. Documentaries start with the theft of the intellectual property, the Immortals, which becomes the Matrix franchise, which was pitched in full to Lorenzo D. Bonaventura, 
who is the executive vice president for Warner Brothers, connected to Disney, who made sure even now he says that he shepherded and discovered the Matrix story. And what happens is everything was being warned, talked about, that's happening now in that screenplay. Cabal doesn't want that out. So they channel it through their system. Now, by stealing it, it's basically taking a virus into their computer programming because what happens is that that piece, that intellectual property, then becomes a flag that travels all through their system with every bit of their cabal's greedy hands and components trying to latch on. It leads to a copyright at the copyright office, a series of copyrights, where they're listing the biggest investment firms in the world as having created my work. And that's pretty amazing with all these subtitles, but no body of work to create slots at the copyright office. Now, that's the part of the detail. I just took you through the trails that this virus is going through. So my work to them is a virus. It has caused all them to come to the light as they got greedy. And it warns about everything to come so much so that Keanu Reeves claims that the Matrix is actually a documentary in itself. Actually, the piece, the immortals that they claim to copyright, the very people that worked with the Wachowskis, um, Bonaventura and De Laurentiis are on the copyright with the Wachowskis for Assassins, their first so-called work. But only De Laurentiis is on the copyright for my work, The Immortals, following that. So what you have is the Wachowskis were brought in as D players to take the work, but you have a warning to the world of what's going on right now. That's from an author who was groomed to lead within the inside. I was being groomed to be the face of the Christian coalition. I was being courted by everything, everybody from the FBI, CIA, to Hollywood, to religious right. They all were courting this author, Tom Oldhouse. That doesn't make me feel important. It makes me feel sad that our world is run by morons that want world power. They want to protect themselves. They're cowards. They want to protect and have a world, sort of a utopia, where the fat is cut off, and you're absolutely right, it even says in the Immortals about, you know, the harvest, the harvest begins. What they're going to do is get rid of a lot of the world population that they deem is unfit for life, unfit for taking up space on this planet, so they can have a utopia. They echo it through all their films. It is that much. It's like Alice in Wonderland, and we're going through the mirror and the looking glass. And that's why they have my birthday, 7-2, on the clocks, 7-2-59 on the Animatrix clock. And now in Man in the High Castle with contacts telling me from Hollywood who are, quote, fans of the work, they're letting me know that my birthday is now in films all over the place. Doesn't make me feel important. Makes me feel concerned that people need to wake up in Alice in Wonderland fashion backwards. So they have what they call the mirror image, looking glass. They turn the image backwards, and that is a signal that you're in disarray and your life is over. I know the signals. I know the player. I know the components of the cabal. I know what's coming. I warned about it in 91 to 93, and it doesn't make me feel proud that I warned. It just feels like I'm just trying to do a job that the world's a safer place. That's it. No need for ego. No need for reward. Let's just save our kids, respect the elderly, love our God, and have a safe world where we're not eliminated because some schmucks want to have a planet where they have some fantasy land of a utopia where they have young men and women that are their slaves. Basically, that's their fantasy that's coming. And it's a billionaire's club. There is no national borders anymore, really. That's all for show. Right now, we have a one world society. The billionaires own it. And they're trying to decide what to do with me. They'll invite me in. They'll shut me out. They'll invite me in. They'll shut me out. The prerequisite for me, preamble, for me to come in is I have to get rid of all my feelings and not try to make a difference. Quote, not try to make a difference for the rest of they're going to be killed. That's what's in the screenplay. That's what I've been told. Lauren Holmberg, CIA operative, Maui, designs the gates on Maui, in the Masons, brought me in and told me that very line. We're fans of your work, Tom. Don't try to make a difference. You'll be blown away with what you'll learn, the knowledge, but don't try to make a difference. They're going to reduce the world population, of course, down. Bill Gates knows that. They all feel that that's the answer. Oprah Winfrey, they all feel that's the answer. 
Tom Hanks, that's the answer to them. Make a sustainable planet, and they feel that they're doing good, and they justify it. How? By proving audiences are dumb. By putting things such as this author's birthday right in your face. This author's birthday, my mom's birthday, my two sons that were murdered, all in Man in High Castle in the same documents. Jeff, they've been spelling it out. And they use that as leverage to say to me, Tom, come back in the fold. Come back in the fold. Let the population go. They're stupid. They say, let them go. They don't even believe you wrote the story. We all know you wrote it. Come back in the fold. Be part of the elite. Join this new world and enjoy the benefits and the knowledge you'll have and don't try to make a difference. Does that make sense? They want to give you the fallen angel uh, stuff, but you know, you, you talked on the depopulation agenda and they say it out loud. So, and I just want to give a couple points on that. So right now in Canada, they have something called the maid uh, service and essentially it is a euthanasia program that is happening. If you're poor, um, they're encouraging you to come and be suicided. Mm -hmm. If you're a veteran and they're really picking on the veterans and you're having a hard time, PTSD or whatever, they're encouraging suicide, root euthanasia uh, with a government assisted suicide. They've changed the laws now in Canada that if you are a child, let's say 13 years old, and you go to your doctor and you tell them that you're depressed, the doctor can suggest euthanasia to you and not get your parents' permission. Now, I forget the name of the scientists, but they're Japanese and they're one of the major contributors to the World Economic Forum, of course. And she is saying it out loud, by the way, also a Harvard professor is saying it out loud right now that uh, we need to deal with the older population and they should voluntarily go into our suicide pods. And if they don't voluntarily do it, they should be forced to go into these suicide pods. Tom, it reminds me of the movie Logan's Run. Are you familiar oh, with that absolutely. one? That was one of the influential pieces before I wrote my piece. So when I knew what was going on, I was told what was going on, I had watched Logan's Run before and Rollerball and um, Blade Runner. And those things spoke to me. They actually spoke to me. And I, it, I started wondering, could this be the world to come? What would actually transpire? What would actually occur? And then God led me on the piece after going through some experiences. And so Logan's run, very much so. And that's what's happening now in ancient Rome. Uh, whenever an emperor was low on debts or low on finances, they would pillage and destroy and murder certain senators, wealthy families, and build up their income, right? Uh, Henry VIII did the same thing with a monastic society. He started raiding all the churches, calling them that they were too Catholic, not you know Protestant, his church. And so Anglican. So he would just take the resources so that he's wealthy. That's what they're doing now. They, they, they're going to go after the elderly's wealth. That's what they're doing and prescribing. And then they're making it sound like it's a good thing. And if the elderly don't do it, then they're bad. Well, that's exactly what's going on. It's a push for wealth. That's what justifies it. And the euthanasia program, they actually, if you look at where it starts, uh, on Maui, they started it, I think, before Canada did. And that's where they were contr uh, controlling the outcome of my uh, script situation, where they were making sure that the guy who had the unsuspended uh, license, Tony Rankin, who was a Warner Brothers classmate, the classmate of the Warner Brothers firm, uh, legal team, they had him now in charge of clients who want to be euthanized. And so now what they do is they instigate these things where they feel safest and they have the most control. And so that's one of the ways you can track and see if something's nefarious or wrong. They'll go to where they feel safest. They'll go yeah. to where they feel they have the most control. And so Canada, that's a warning to Canada. If they're starting this, doing this in Canada, as you said, they are, then that means that they feel they have Trudeau in Oh, well, yeah, they, they certainly do. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Uh, but and just just uh, before we move on, uh, if you're not familiar with the movie, The Lo Logan's Run, it came out in the 70s. And what's really interesting about that movie is they lived in this kind of utopian society. 
And what would happen is on your 30th birthday, you would be gathered up and everyone would be euthanized. But it was treated as a celebration because when, when that happened, you ascended to your new body, you know, in this ethereal. And of course, what happened in the movie is Logan, uh, the main character of the movie, dis discovered that there was no next place when you're euthanized, at least not what they're claiming. And so he tried to escape, and that is the movie. It's worth watching. It's dated now, of course, but it's worth watching. So, Tom, you had mentioned Maui, and uh, I think people now, you know, if we have new listeners, are kind of understanding your story. But you traveled to Maui recently. What was the purpose of the trip, and, uh, and then tell us about it? Well, there was key evidence in our situation for the documentary, for the case work in the future, that was on Maui, and it was in a storage area. And there were attorneys for Warner Brothers and Disney that kept pestering people I knew on Maui. Where's Tom Altus' stuff? Are you friends with Tom? Where is his stuff? We're looking for this information. Where's these documents? They were pestering. People had people showing up on their garage ports, cigarettes being left out like they're doing the X-Files. And so it's like there was this push from legal teams for Warner Brothers and Disney to find out the evidence they want to, they haven't, destroyed yet. And so I had to make a trip. Now, the one gentleman that was safeguarding my stuff, he got bought off, completely bought off, that him and his wife are actually claiming, uh, lying and saying that my property is theirs now. And but you caught them in this lie, too. I caught this them in a lie, yeah. It was in lie, because I said to them, I said, well, you know, there's this stuff that I wanted for Aiden and my mom that was there, like very precious, valuable items, you know, China and stuff like this. And the woman gets on there and goes, we don't have it. It's not here. We don't have it. And I said, well, you guys have been holding it for me. And I said, you could use it while I'm gone. And then um, John, who is a Mason's sworn brother, he gets on and says, oh, well, it's outside in the shed. And then the woman goes, well, that's, oh, it's not in the house. When you say you don't have it, that means you're saying you don't have it. They thought they could get away with it. The idea is if you're bought and turned, then you're also supposed to do harm or anything they own you can take because you're considered evil and bad in the turning process. So it's it's that kind of thing. It was very disheartening, very disheartening that a sworn brother would lie to me like that or allow his wife to lie to me like that. But the thing is that they had been safeguarding evidence. Now it had been in the storage area. So we got a word from God to contact the storage area. And before John and Rose Crow knew that we were going to be coming, we had the lock switched out. We had it, uh, a, a lock put on so they couldn't take evidence away for the cabal. And so then I went there and I found everything. I mean, I found everything. Evidence, old scripts. They had tried to destroy all pre-1996 scripts because the Wachowskis first put the Matrix name in 1996. Now my work is done in 1993 and Wachowski claimed that they did it sometime in 1993, but the only time you see a Matrix title go up is 1996. So they tried to destroy all pre-scripts and floppies, any evidence. That's why they were so after that, after that partly. So we, I now have the original floppies, the original 1993 scripts, notations where it's signed by different parties in Hollywood saying, uh, dating it, 1993 through 1995. And incidentally, that's why George Michael was killed. George Michael, they said his heart gave out. Well, that's George Michael, the singer. Yes, on Christmas, his, they say his heart gave out, basically on Christmas around that time. And they say, that's, that's code for death, you know, for murder. And what happened was George Michael, if you look at the last page of The Immortals, which I think you have, it says George Michael praying for time. His song, Praying for Time, was the end credits. It fits perfectly. Wounded skies above, God stop keeping score, what's happening here is happening here. So what you have is they were afraid as they destroyed all the pre-1996 screenplays that I had in possession through Honeypot Wife and others. They did not have these ones on Maui. And they couldn't get to him because they hadn't bought off John Crow yet. So what happened was George Michael died when the case was thrown, 2016, basically. He dies, heart gives out, because he is the perfect witness that the work was completed in 1993 and 92. Why? Because the script was sent to him for his approval that his music could be used, George Michael's music, for the end credits. That means he read the whole script all the way through to the end. 
and okayed it. He greenlighted. He said, you could use this work, submit it. So it's submitted through James Boyd of Norfolk, the full script with the music. Script says in the copyrighted version, George Michael praying for time, end credits. He was the best witness that the work was completed in 1993 as a full script. That's a yeah, big point. witness because he had a big voice. Big voice. And so that's why he's killed. Always a holiday, Christmas, birthdays, things like that. That's what you do in the cabal. And what happens is he's killed on Christmas and then what's the excuse? His heart gave out. If I was told that um, by insiders that if I'm taken out, if I was taken out, there would be drugs planted and something else. What have I spoken most against? Pedophilia, right? That what Hollywood's involved with, my brother's involved with Disney. So what they would do is they would plant images. They, they put a thumb drive or something with downloaded images. They put, they put something with you and that way you remember for the opposite of who you are, you know? So whatever you stand for, Jeff, most, they pick what they could plant on you to discredit you the worst way possible and your legacy. It's all about legacies to them, right? Uh, listen, they've, they've already tried with me uh, a couple times. Trust me, uh, I have to wa I have to be so careful of everything I do. But Tom, I, and I don't know if you, I, I want to respect you and if you don't want to say this on air, yeah. but the other night when we were talking, you said something that was really alarming to me. And, uh, that was, we didn't see that coming. Do you want to explain that? Well, we didn't see that coming. You mean, but with, with, in regards to what was that in regards to turning of friends or uh, yeah, if uh, people might say about you? Oh, right, right, right. Thank you. What I was talking about is they always run this narrative and I do mean always, I don't believe in using absolutes, but in this case we can in so far, they have continually used the idea to put to the public that no one saw this coming. No one thought of this before. No one thought this could happen. We have been saying over and over, Jeff, over and over that what to expect, what's coming, what's going on. But I guarantee you, as far as Ukraine and other events, the news will run the narrative. No one saw this coming. No one had any idea. No one knew this would be. There are many of us that are called. God's not stupid. He calls us and guides us on what to say. It's just a matter of, will we be heard? One of the biggest tactics used by the cabal is to make sure that you are not heard, that you're shut down. Your numbers are shadow banned. You're not, your uh, channels are struck. Your website, my website's struck, it's gone. So they try to make it so they control information out. They control who's heard. And that's part of the, uh, tactics used is to shut down the voice. And so that's also in the screenplay too. But the thing is like, what amazes me is everything's there. The screenplay they're so concerned about because it, it shows that we have been saying it, Jeff, from go. And you have a copy, you've been saying it too. We have been saying it from go. They don't get to claim that, they don't get to do that. But it shocked me that that is one of their tactics that they would say to people, no one saw this coming. Don't buy that. Don't buy that. There's a many voices that have been stilled, silenced, that have been trying very hard. And there's many of us still breathing. And why are we still breathing? One of the accusations they use, Jeff, is why are you still alive? That's what they say. I'm still alive because I have something they want and I figured out the system. I know what they want most, just like they use on us. I turned it back. They want the intellectual property. They want to be entertained. They see me as an asset. They want the other screenplays. They're buried in a trash bag, no staples, no metal detector will find them. So now they say, I've won the chess game. You figure out what they want most. You figure out why they want you most, and then you play it back on them. That is, that is a great defense for sure, Tom. So uh, listen, we've been talking about the script and yes, I, I, I have a copy of it. I've had it since before the first time I've interviewed Tom and I think what's so dangerous about it, and, and I love how you phrased it, that it's become a virus in them because mm -hmm. they didn't expect someone to fight and to really uh, take stock of everything and have the evidence that you have, which is overwhelming in my opinion. But the script really lays out their plan because you remember 
the evil side always has to tell you what they're doing. And when they stole this intellectual property, it's so they can tell you what you're doing and they hide it behind entertainment. So, Tom, that brings me to the next segment. And the next segment is the next page where, because Tom's script has been so prophetic, uh, and this week it really ties in with the mass deception uh plot line that I'm putting out there in a series. And and Tom, I don't want you to go too far into it because I, I actually think uh, as the series is going to go on for a couple to maybe three more weeks, uh, I want to milk it out a little bit uh, because I don't want you to give away the end of my series or, or the end of this. I, I think it's very telling, but uh, let's get into the next page and here comes the countdown. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, Five, four, three, two, one. And now we look forward into, well, the prophetic or the pre-written document called The Immortals, and we go to the next page. Tom, what say you? Well, we got page 62 and page 91. I want to read just two short excerpts and honor what you just asked me to honor. So what we have is a character named Dooley. This was not used in Matrix, it was cut out. When they, they laundered it, they took every single concept, every single iconic thing that is, well, iconic now, robot-like agents, Jack's the Neck, Little Girl Train Station, Pointing the Sun, all that is in here, Red Pill, Blue Pill, is actually in the notes too. But the thing is that they stripped out this item where the church is used by the cabal, where the church picks certain religious leaders that won success, and uses them to mislead the public. And they, they, as I said, they control all aspects of our society and our lives. That's what they do. And that's why you have mega monopolies. Now on page 62, you have this religious leader who's the most popular religious leader at that time. And he says this, He's, it says, Dooley is furious with a well-groomed man on the phone screen. My donations are dropping. I can't control these people if they have nothing to work. I need something now. Producer, the segment's finishing. They need you on set. Groom man, we'll hit the hospital in a week. Tell your doctors to avoid it. There's 9-11. Wow. <laughs> but I, I see, just, just, did you hear what Tom just said? They had to infiltrate the church. What have I been showing on the Mass Deception series? The greatest place for the enemy is the pulpit. It's not the presidency, folks. That's just another thing for him. He already rules the world systems. It's the Christians they've gone after, and they have infiltrated successfully. And I love how you bring up the example of a televangelist, Tom, uh, because uh, as you're going to see with evidence, many of those guys are most likely on the take or have a secret agenda. If they are successful and have a lot of media attention, you can bet they're sanctioned by the cabal. I have the other page 90 and 91, so you're absolutely right. I just have one more segment to share with you. So here you go. Wagner, which is the architect's son. They, in the Matrix, they took the architect. They just call him the architect. They didn't like the historic name I had. That was through an exchange with the story department's head, Diane Bells, at the time. She said nobody's going to interest in that historic figure. Now it's big in media in films. But at the time, I had the architect's son working as the real baddie. And so you have this guy named Wagner, and he says, the purification process is all explained in your chips. Yep, the back of the neck. My chosen will be moved in two days from our cities so they may watch the process. Watch the process. Needless to say, you have all been selected. Staff laughs nervously, quietly. Then it says this, the inhabitants of the short cities those outside the program, are being removed to termination sites. All resistant groups will be exterminated in three days. Then it says, um, forgive me, sir, Dooley is insisting to see you. That's the religious right leader, right? Then it says, send him in. He asks, why was I kept waiting? You're no, long, no longer useful. You're finished, Dooley. You're joking. You need me. Do you hear? They follow me. But, and then here's the words. Wagner says, they follow God, Dooley, who, or whoever's selling him. And you're out of the market. I decide the seller. Send Parks in. Wow. 
Tom, this script just giving, oh my goodness, I can't wait for the next time we do this. And uh, that that was so profound to me, Tom. And I, I just, before we go, I'll, I'll just make a couple quick comments. Um, part of the reason I woke up on the wrong side of the bed today uh, as an expression was because of the stuff I've been researching and spending so many hours in. And it's just, it has broken my heart. And and even through this process, I'm seeing the world in a much different way than I did before, a much more cynical way. i got to be honest, and, and I'm praying for resolution in that. But, you know, God is so good because I had something specifically I was going to say today, actually a couple points that I was going to give as an opinion on news and the Lord has held my tongue on it. It uh, doesn't mean these comments won't come out in the future, but I didn't want them to come out while I'm in the, the kind of the mood I'm in today. And I got to say, after uh, this episode with you, Tom, uh, I've actually got a smile on my face right now. Uh, it just, it's it's such, such a good thing to be in the fight with you, brother. You too, Jeff. I was told, led by God, that the comfort would come from those that had a heart from God and those remnant, which is all through the original Matrix story, the remnant, the remnant, the remnant, those that are scattered, that actually have been guided by God and have a heart for him and all others, that compassion is their main seat and faith. That's what's going to gather. And now, even though the terminations are coming and they're trying to make that happen, there's a gathering coming. We're going to get together. And I am, can't wait to see your face and just look in your eyes and say, thank you, brother, for being a brother. Well, hey, I appreciate that. And hey, speaking of the gathering, um, I'm going to be in Dallas, Texas on the 25th of March. Go to reckoningfest.com, get your tickets. It's going to be over the top good. Uh, I know there's a lot of stuff planned that is not on the schedule. Go to reckoningfest.com, and if you choose to buy a ticket, and I hope you will, I'd love to see you there and spend some time with you personally, um, put in the coupon code when you put in your credit card and stuff like that, it says you get 10% off right now till March 3rd, and just write in there, write on, one word, R-I-G-H-T-O-N, and uh, we'll be sure to get you your discount and then, if you can, send me a note saying you bought some tickets so I can plan. I want to bring some gifts down to people who are going to come down to meet me in Dallas, Texas. It's worth the drive. It's worth the flight. Uh, heck, I'm flying 2,000 miles each way to get there. So I do hope that you will join me at ringfest.com in Dallas, Texas, March 25th. Final word to you, Tom. Oh, I like what you say. Love your God. Love your neighbor. I love that. I just love it. I was thinking that today before I ended the show. But my final word is, it's time to shine. It's time to be who we are together and to realize that well, we have something the other side doesn't. We have camaraderie. We have faith. We have uh, each other. And that's the most precious thing when it comes down to it. And everything's stripped away. We still have each other, all of us that have a heart. That's something the cabal will never have. They'll always be divided against themselves because it's all about power for them, but not for us. Ours is about community, about family, about bonds that are stronger than oak. So I'm just saying I celebrate that we're on this side of it where we actually get to have life at its fullest. And that means that we're not alone. We're never alone. So thank you to all your listeners and to you for being brothers and sisters because at the end of this, We'll look at ourselves and see each other, dust ourselves off and say, thank God we chose the right path. Thank God we stood up for each other. So thanks, Jeff. Yeah, and listen, the, 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 we, we say the listeners or whatever, but we've really created a community. And I just look at the names that are in here. And I have a personal relationship with so many people in this community now. And you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, of course, love your God and love your family. We say all the time, uh, love your neighbor as yourself, but I'm going to change up the final part uh, in our togetherness. Let's shine and make a difference 
in our community. Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. Right on radio.